before Sally comes up, we've got another one of our blessed stories to show you. So have a watch of Poppy's story and then Sally will come up. My name's Poppy and I've been coming to King's for the last year. So my parents aren't Christian, I wasn't raised as part of a Christian family, but when I was five or six they sent me to Girls' Brigade, so I got used to being in a church context. Um, I made friends there, I knew that Christians were normal people. So at secondary school, when I made some friends who invited me to youth group, it wasn't surprising that church was fine, that everybody was lovely and it was just a nice environment to be in. Um, And I made some great friends there and I got to know who Jesus was, but something in me always meant that I felt a little bit on the side. Um, Most of the young people was part of the youth group, their families came to the church, their parents knew people, so they were always more integrated than I was, which meant that I always felt like I wasn't quite included in the same way. When I got to university, I was in and out of church, but I met some girls at Dance Society who happened to be Christian as well and studied on the same course as me. They showed me they were Christians through how they spoke and how they acted and we talked about their faith as it came up and mine but it wasn't all we talked about. It felt like their fundamental interest was in being my friend, not in getting me to come back to church before I was ready. Even when I went back to church, my friends were really good at recognising where I was at and when to invite me to things and that meant I could engage and get involved at a pace that I was comfortable with knowing that I was surrounded by people who genuinely cared about me. What I think my friends taught me is that You don't need to feel disheartened if your friends aren't coming to church straight away. You don't necessarily realise the impact that a genuine friendship can have. Morning. Hi. How are you all doing? You good? Great. So, as John said, we are working our way through this series called Bless, which is all about Jesus' mission to reach the lost through blessing those around us. And it stems back to the time of, of Abraham, when God spoke to Abraham and said, you know, I want to reach and restore the world through blessing. So that's kind of where we're going. And during the series, we're looking at how we can actively bless those around us in our day-to-day activity. So helping uh, people to follow Jesus uh, on, and helping him in his mission, Jesus's mission, to reach the lost and restore the hurting who are around us. So what does bless stand for? Can anybody tell me what we heard about last week? I'll give you a clue. The letter B. Prayer. I can hear it. Yes. Begin with prayer. Brilliant. Well done. So that was last week. Um, And we were all encouraged, weren't we, for those of us who were here, to have a card, to write names on the card, people we feel the Holy Spirit is is drawing us to, people that we can be praying for, begin with prayer, and those people that we can uh, then ultimately uh, bless. And we were encouraged to be active in that. And if you haven't, if you weren't here last Sunday, please have a listen to what Neil had to say on the King's Church uh, website. You can download the podcast. And similarly, you can listen to John the previous week who set up the whole series. So if you're here and you're wondering what this is all about, do take a look and catch up on, uh, on what they've been saying in previous weeks. So today we're looking at the letter L. We're focusing on L, which is for listening. So listening to God, to hear what he's saying about those we have on our card, the people that we're specifically praying for in the season, listening to God and the Holy Spirit, which is key, and intentionally, actively listening to those around us. So that's this week. Next week is E, I'm assuming we're doing that next week, which is eating together, sharing life with people over a meal. Then we've got S, 
which is serving, serving others, and the other S is story, as in your story, telling testimony of God's goodness in your life, the power of personal testimony, which is amazing. It does sound simple, doesn't it? So let's start. Uh, We're going to start with the story of Philip and the eunuch. We're going to look at that. Then we're going to talk about what do we listen to? How are we in terms of our listening? And then how good are we at listening to others? That's kind of where we're going. So let's start by reading uh, Acts 8, verses 26 to 38. I'll read it out. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did. He met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Can't have been going that fast, hey? But anyway running, walking. Philip ran over. He heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. So he asked, do you understand what you're reading? So Philip was listening, listening to what the eunuch was doing. The man replied, how can I when there is no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip, notice that, he begged Philip. (laughs) Doesn't happen that often, does it? We're begged for someone to explain the gospel. But anyway, he begged Philip to come up to the carriage, sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was, it's in Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began with this same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again and he went on his way rejoicing. Bish, bash, bosh. How easy is that? What a dream for any evangelist. The guy begs you to unpack the word of God. The bit that he's stuck on just happens to be about Jesus. Wow, isn't that brilliant? Just the bit you need to tell them about, the good news about Jesus dying for you and all that sort of thing. This fruit is so ripe, it's pretty much falling off the tree. And, you know, you, so you unpack the scriptures, you do a brilliant job of explaining the truth. They receive it all. And then, not you, but the person you're talking to about the good news says, oh, look, there's some water. Why don't you baptize me? <laughs> Has that ever, ever, ever happened to you? No. Um, It really is quite extraordinary, isn't it? And the water just happens to be the right size and depth for a baptism, and it's all done. And then what happens to Philip? Oh, he's gone. In a puff, he's taken. And what happens to the eunuch? He's not freaked out or, you know, he's just like goes on his way rejoicing. It's all wonderful. You can imagine Philip talking to the disciples at the time, can't you? Hey, how's it going, guys? How's it going? Sharing the gospel. 
Are you having any, you know, good experiences? Shall I just tell you about my recent experience with the eunuch, who happens to be extremely powerful, you know, under the queen of Ethiopia. He's going to go back and share the gospel, and whole of Ethiopia is going to get saved. I'm so, so anointed. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's just going really well. And how do you get around, guys? Donkey walking? Oh, I just go, poof, the spirit takes me. Yeah, you can imagine, can't you? Check me out. We don't know all the details. I'm sure Philip wasn't like that. I'm sure he's a man full of the Spirit. Uh, And he wasn't like that at all. But uh, that's not our experience, is it, when we share the gospel? It is pretty extraordinary times that we're reading about. But there's a lot of principles in there that we can glean from this. First of all, just to say, the journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem is, is a long, long way. So this eunuch who is traveling back from Jerusalem, will have been on a massive journey, at least more than four, five days back then. I Google mapped it. I put Jerusalem, Ethiopia, like you do, 4,234 kilometers. So quite a way then in a carriage. Um, So this is someone who uh, was already dedicated to God before he met Philip. He'd already had a Gentile conversion, probably as part of the early church and the spread of the gospel that it was, was happening back then. But when the eunuch got to Jerusalem, he would have faced enormous prejudice and rejection. He wasn't a Jew, for a start. He was from Ethiopia, secondly. But also, he was a eunuch. And many in Judaism believed that castration was forbidden, and it was a reason for exclusion. So this Ethiopian eunuch who obviously got to know about God and this Jesus and this good news, had spent, t- taken that enormous journey to try to get to Jerusalem, to try and worship, to try and get close to this new God, this God that he was captivated with. And he probably wasn't allowed anywhere near any places of worship. Um, everything about him was wrong in the eyes of those who were there. His nationality, um, the fact that he was a Gentile, but also his very identity, the fact that he was a eunuch. I mean, right to the core of his being, it was all wrong. But God is on a mission, isn't he? To make sure that every single person is invited and to make sure that everyone knows we are welcome in his presence. We are accepted by him, his love and the good news. So as the eunuch is traveling home and trying to get his head around his new face, He's doing something really good. He's in the Word of God. He's looking in the Word of God to find out what it says about God, but also he'll find out what it says about him. And he's not focusing on all that rejection and all that prejudice and everything else he's experienced. But at the same time, whilst the eunuch's doing that, God is on the case. And God is speaking to Philip And what's really important about this part of the story is Philip is listening. His radar is up. He's tuning in to what the Holy Spirit is actually saying to him at that particular moment. Now, what are we doing when it comes to our listening? Is our radar up? Are we hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in our day to day? What are you listening to? Have a really good think about that when you go about your day. 
I don't know about you, but my mind can be absolutely all over the place. So much going on, my mind is extremely busy. But that's just what's going on in my mind. (laughs) What about all the other noise out there? I've got three boys. A lot of the time, my my house is always noisy. But also, they often have their friends around our place. So it's four, five, maybe six boys, maybe even more. Um, It's really, really noisy. But what about all the other noise? Things like social media. Many of us have devices on us that are constantly interrupting our world, pinging, buzzing, ringing, um, alerting us to this, telling us about that, sprinkling that bit of good news in there or that bit of news, advertising, whatever it might be, or this friend has just posted this on Facebook, sharing everything going on. Then you've got radio, TV, I mean, just society itself. Today, in this day and age, we've probably got more information bombarding us all the time than ever before. So what are you like at listening? And what are you listening to? What are you tuning to? At this point, I just want to play Monday's program. This is the cue for those who are in the sort of multimedia world. So if we just play Monday's program of the program that I present at the BBC, I'm hoping it will come on. Um, At work, it's really, really important that I tune in to the right information and I tune out to that which I don't need to know. So my co-presenter and I, Ben and I, present a 30-minute program, and that program is live, and in that program we are um, interviewing lots and lots of people. This is like 20 seconds to air on Monday morning. We don't have any reports in our program, so no points where we go to a correspondent who takes over. It's just all us. So we're interviewing people, we're presenting the news, We're ad-libbing over live financial market data. Some of the interviewees are in the studio. We're looking after them to a degree as well because some of them haven't necessarily been on television before. Some of them are um, elsewhere. So it might be a correspondent in Brussels to talk about Brexit. It might be someone in Westminster. It might be someone somewhere else. And then also on top of that, we have to sort of take in stories that are just breaking while we're on air. So whilst we were on air on Monday, this particular morning, uh, Kensington Palace released a statement to say that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are expecting their first baby. Big news, big breaking news. So we had to break that story and tell the world about what was going on. Now, whilst we're speaking, we've got an earpiece in our ear, and all the time there's conversation going on in our ear. There's conversations about what's happening next, where we're going next. Theresa May's coming out. Yes, she is. No, she isn't. Yes, she is. She's in front of the camera. She's about to speak. Cross to her now. It's all happening. But a lot of the time, the conversation in my ear is not something I need to know about at all. It might be the director talking to the producer about other things or sorting out other issues, or they might be talking about what they're doing on the weekend. So it's busy, and tuning out to that which I don't need to know is extremely important for me to do a good job. But that is a life skill that I'm saying to you this morning is extremely important for us all. When I was, um, when Paul and I learnt, Paul and I learnt to tune out negative reports and bad news when he was diagnosed with cancer. We could have spent eight years tuning in to advice and information that would probably have locked us into a life of anxiety, fear, and worry, and probably would have trapped us. 
And when you're in that place, it's quite hard to have your radar up to the Holy Spirit, to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to you about the people around you. So it's really important not only to be listening and listening to the right things, but also tuning out, choosing to tune out all the stuff that's there to distract, to confuse, to bring fear, to bring anxiety, to bring worry. If we're going to be, first of all, happier, freer, and walking in the goodness of God, that's really critical. But also, if we're going to reach those around us and bless those around us and be effective in our listening to those around us, we need to have all that stuff tuned out. So we tune into what the Holy Spirit is saying, What is the word of God saying? And that's what the eunuch was doing on his way back from Jerusalem. As I've mentioned before, as he was grappling with the rejection, the prejudice, the hurt, he's looking at what the word of God is saying about the situation, trying to understand it. And because Philip is tuning into the Holy Spirit, he shows up at the right time to explain to the eunuch what God's word says, the word that brings life, acceptance, freedom, and love. Now, In Acts 8, it says that Philip, sorry, the eunuch, was stuck on a bit of Isaiah 53. And it says there that Philip explained that bit of scripture, but he also talked to him about other bits of scripture as well in order to to help the eunuch understand. And if you flick forward in Isaiah from Isaiah 53 to Isaiah 56, this is what you read, and I'm just going to read it out loud. So I reckon Philip... Explain this to the eunuch. And the blessings of a Gentiles too, when they commit themselves to the Lord, do not let them think that I consider them second-class citizens. And my blessings are also for the eunuchs. They are as much mine as anyone else. For I say this to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy, who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them in my house, within my walls, a memorial and a name far greater than the honor they would have received by having sons and daughters. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. Amazing. So Philip, tuning into the Holy Spirit, listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying, coming alongside the eunuch, listening to the eunuch. What is the eunuch stuck on? He's stuck on this bit of scripture. What's going on in the eunuch's world? He's collaborating with the Holy Spirit. He's working with the Holy Spirit. What happens? The eunuch's baptized. He goes on his journey rejoicing. And as I've mentioned, um, this is the guy who's in charge of the treasury of Ethiopia. So his conversion brought Christianity into the power structures of another government in Ethiopia. Philip, in the right, t- in the right place at the right time, listening to the Holy Spirit. So he has a divine encounter and he's able to explain the scriptures. How amazing is that? What an incredible adventure. Yes, it was in extraordinary times. But we are also on that adventure. And as John said a couple of weeks ago, our life is supposed to be an adventure. It's not supposed to be just mundane day-to-day stuff. If we are tuning to the Holy Spirit, if we're working with him, it's incredible. And And it's the most amazing feeling, isn't it? You know when you get to meet someone and you're talking to someone and you know when you think, God set this up. 
It's a setup. And here I am. <laughs> and sometimes you don't realize it until later. You might have had a conversation with someone in the day, or you've met someone, you've listened to them. And then later on in the evening, you just think, hang on a minute, that was a total setup in terms of what God is doing. It's really quite amazing. So we have to remember it's not what we're listening to, it's what we're tuning out. It's not just hearing the Holy Spirit, it's actively pushing out of our minds and our thinking the noise, the lies. We have a devil out there who wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to lie, he wants to confuse, he wants to undermine what God is doing. So let's now move on to how we listen to others. If you are really honest, what are you like as a listener? Have a think about that. <laughs> what do people say about you when it comes to your listening skills? People are quite often uh, quite good at telling us what we're like when it comes to listening. Um, I would say for me, the biggest challenge is um, I love talking to people. I love meeting people. I am an extrovert. The job I do is perfect for me from that perspective. But I'm also unbelievably uh, busy. And when God has set something up, I have been guilty in the past, and I'm guilty now as well, sometimes, where I know I've got a divine conversation going on, or I'm meeting someone, I'm listening, and actually they need time. And I may not have time at that particular moment, if that makes sense, or I've just got way too much going on. And I was really convicted about this because I knew that God would often put me in a situation where I really felt the Spirit leading me to deepen a relationship with someone or invite them around for lunch or go for a coffee. And I just haven't got the room for that. And I just really felt convicted about uh, prioritizing God's plans over mine. God's plans over my plans. God's priorities over mine because his plans are about the lost. <laughs> his plans are about blessing those around us. His plans are about using us to reach those people around us. So I've had to make space. And you know, it's great because if, if that space isn't used up, well then, wow, fantastic. It's space in our world. Don't we need that anyway? Don't we need that anyway? So it's just a win-win. Let's just prioritize God. I mean, Mary and Martha comes to mind often. Martha is someone who does hospitality really well. She has Jesus round for dinner. Her younger sister, Mary, is just sitting at his feet. She's listening to Jesus. And, Mary, and Martha said, Lord, Luke 10, 39, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Jesus replies, my dear Martha, you're so upset over all the details. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. I won't take it away from her. Mary's got her eyes fixed on Jesus. She is listening to him. We need to learn to do that, make space and listen to the right stuff, tune in, and then we can bless those effectively who are around us. So the challenge is giving people undivided attention. I must admit, sometimes I'm guilty of listening and I'm listening to someone, but I'm everywhere else in my head. <laughs> Do you know that? Or are you aware when you're talking to someone and they're just not even listening to you? Yeah, we've been there, haven't we? You know, you're talking to somebody, or you might be talking to somebody on the phone, and they haven't listened to a word you've said, and then they're just, you know, isn't that awful? <laughs> you just feel really kind of, you know, no one is engaging here. 
We're just busy on with the next thing all the time. So let's give people undivided attention, especially if, like the eunuch, you are desperately trying to find out who Jesus is and who you are as a consequence of who Jesus is, and you want that revealed to you. I mean, that takes you as a person to be giving them your undivided attention. Listening with care. Listening with our radar up to the Holy Spirit so that we can actually collaborate with the Holy Spirit as we're listening. We might get some insight as to what the next question might be, or we might get some insight as to they're saying something to us, but actually they're meaning something else. I have to listen with a lot of care to my children at the moment, and none of them will listen to this preach, so I can say this. One's on the youth weekend away, and two others are with my in-laws. But I have to listen to them with a lot of care, because... I find with young people, they don't necessarily tell you what they're really thinking. (laughs) And you have to read between the lines to understand what they're thinking. And right now, I feel I really have to listen in and tune into them to know what they're trying to say. James 1 verse 19 says, let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, when you're talking to someone, or they've asked you a question, and you, you answer the question, and then they're quick to speak... They might say to you, what are you doing for half term? And you tell them. And actually, all they want to do is tell you what they're doing for half term. (laughs) They don't really want to listen to what you're doing. They're just quick to speak. They're straight in there with their version or their story or their bigger or better, more dramatic event that's happened to them. Or you tell them about something that's happened and you, I don't know, maybe you went to A&E with a child. Oh, yes, when I went to A&E. And they're suddenly talking about their story of when they had that happen to them. Let's not be quick to speak. Let's be quick to listen. Let's be quick to listen and take our time. Then you've got the the fix-it listeners, haven't you? Those that listen to you and they just want to fix it straight away. Um, It's very typical in married couples, I'm told, where, you know, one might say, how is your day, honey? And the other one says, well, this is my day and da-da-da-da-da. And then the other one just starts to fix everything and sort of resolve. And you just shut down, don't you? There's many conversations we have where we just shut down and we don't carry on in our conversation or sharing our story because of the reaction of the other person. Then you've got those professional listeners Anybody know any of those? I was living with some for a while. When I was a student in London, I lived with this family from our church. And he was an elder in the church and the elder's wife, two little kiddies under five. And it was a great blessing and a great season where we were living together. And I was sort of like a nanny babysitter, sort of helping them out and living in London at very low cost. It was a win-win. But they were the professional listeners. They'd done a lot of listening kind of courses and they run all the communication courses in our church and they did all the um, uh, time with young couples who were getting married, all about communication. And it used to drive me mad because when I used to tell them about something, you know, this, this professional listening face would come over, you know, and then I'd say something, and then they'd repeat back to me everything I just said. I, What's that about? You know, I've just told you that. I don't need to hear it again. And then, you know, and then they'd give me some sort of, I don't know, some sort of professional response. It used to drive me mad, and I'd want to shake them and say, just tell me what you think. They would hardly ever tell me what they think about anything. Um, let's not be professional listeners. Let's just be real and normal 
Let's listen well, listen actively. Let's not be super spiritual listeners either. I think, you know, we often think about, we're trying to tune into the Holy Spirit. Just, you know, often the Spirit of God is just moving you. And it might even be an emotion where you feel a real deep feeling of how they're feeling. They might be telling you they're absolutely fine. But you've got this sense of hurt and pain and it's not you and it's maybe from the Spirit of God. And you can just sense where they're at, where they're really at, as opposed to telling you where they're at. So what kind of a listener are you? Let's be quick to listen well. Let's listen in collaboration with the Holy Spirit. Then we can be more informed in our actions. We're working with God in terms of our actions in how we can bless the people that we're listening to. And we can also be more informed about our continued prayer for them as well. We can hear how God is already working in their lives. Because usually, if you're praying for people, if you've got those people on the card, you're praying for them anyway, you're meeting with them, you're listening to them, you can listen out for what is God doing in their world. He's already working there. He's already busy doing things. And you can see and hear what God is doing. And it's, it's just really uh, exciting. We've got to make the most of every opportunity, make time and space for those opportunities. Be like Mary, not like Martha. And let's really enjoy this incredible adventure that God has got us on so that we can bless those people who are around us.